<laughs> Where did you find this guest, Andy? <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> Are you looking under the table? Did the die go off of the table onto the floor? <laughs> it fell to the furthest reaches of the room. Okay, let's try that again. Chris, this is this is gaming 101 here. Okay, try and get it together, all right? I'm the GM. I never have to roll, right? <laughs> I rolled a nine. A nine. How do you create memorable NPCs? Make them bumbling. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. And remember, if you're, yeah. <laughs> if you're players are having fun, you're a good GM. There. Shortest episode ever. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion in which we talk about topics related to role-playing games. My name is Andy Rao. And my name is John Corey. And we are joined once again by former <laughs> host of the show, Chris Salzman. Hi. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It sounds like I'm like never coming back. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, you did well enough in your sort of trial return okay. uh, episode a few weeks ago that we decided to have you back on one more time. Thank you. Actually, Chris... Chris, it sounds like you may be returning, re, uh, resuming your position as co-host pretty soon. Is that the case? Yeah, you're giving John the boot, and then I'm going to take <laughs> take back my rightful throne. You can't <laughs> fire me. I quit. No, I... Uh, okay. And, you know, uh, at, at, this is a good time. Let's just take a moment. I really want to thank John for stepping up and co-hosting the show. It has been such a joy just getting to know you in the course of uh, having you on as a guest a couple of times, and then even more as you've been a um, co-host for the last couple of uh, episodes. And yeah, we really appreciate you stepping up. None of us wants to imagine what this show would be like if it were just me talking. So, <laughs> so thank you. Well, yeah, thank, thank you. you I love being on the show, and I've always wanted to try podcasting, so this is just sort of the perfect opportunity, and you guys are so great to work with, and I just had a great time. Oh. You know, we, we are great. Is there anything else that we <laughs> and, want to say? And to handsome. Just... And yeah. handsome yeah. men. Yeah. You true. can't see it on a podcast, but <laughs> it's it's uh, it's difficult to look at them when we're yeah. working here. <laughs> Well, guys, at the beginning of the show, we traditionally kind of have a little bit of banter in which we talk about what we are doing gaming-wise and what is on our gaming radars. And I do not want to stop anyone from sharing a cool story about the gaming they're doing or the gaming they're planning, and maybe we can get to that. But I thought, as this is John's last episode as co-host, uh, it's not really an excuse or anything. I just had an idea for something a little bit different to try. So I have prepared a couple of on-the-spot GMing dilemmas oh, gosh. that okay. I want, I'm going to throw at you. They are multiple choice questions. Oh, okay. And I'm the idea here is uh, you need to imagine you've just been presented with the situation, the GM, and you need to kind of make a quick ruling on the spot. Okay? I'm going <laughs> to state the situation, and then I'll ask each of you in turn how you'll answer. And answer as quickly as you can, and then maybe we can talk about it for like 30 seconds. But I don't want to belabor these topics. I just want to... Okay? All right. And only one of these is uh, really cringeworthy, I think. So, um, And it's I saved, okay. it. I saved it for last. So brace yourselves. Okay. Situation number one. And might I say, I actually drew these from actual situations and games that I've either been running or been playing in. So these are sort of real. All right. You suspect that one of your players is cheating. The numbers on his character sheet seem suspiciously high. He's fishy about reporting his die rolls, and his character rarely fails rolls when he's reporting them. Do you choose one of these uh, options I'm going to give you? A. 
Ignore it since it doesn't seem to be bothering anybody else and he's clearly getting something out of it. B. Politely but firmly address it in the game, asking him maybe to roll dice in plain sight or explain his character sheet math and call out fishy behavior when you see it. Or C. Let it go in the moment but have a potentially awkward private conversation with him later to figure out what's going on. John, what would you do? C. Chris, what would you do? A. Okay. So let's take 30 seconds and each of you explain uh, your choice. Explain yourselves. <laughs> well, I, it's a good question. If I think if I had a player who is cheating, most of the people in my games I know really well. And I don't often run the sorts of games where cheating really gets you anywhere that much. But if somebody were cheating... I would want to know why, because it would suggest to me maybe they're not having a good time. But if what they get out of the game is cheating, I guess that's a, a different answer that I'm not for. <laughs> That's right. I like lying to you in particular. <laughs> that's right. Well, this took a, a, a grim turn, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, what is your sort of 30-second um, explanation of your, your answer? Oh, um, it's a game. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I try to get over it as much as possible. Yeah. Or I'd be really passive aggressive about it. So. Okay. Well, yeah, there's passive aggressive GMing is always is always a good option. Okay, guys, thanks. We're going to move on to the second scenario, if that's okay. Okay, topic two. And once again, I'll ask for John's answer and then Chris's. All right, here's the situation. The player characters have accumulated a huge amount of wealth and treasure. They did so legitimately, although you wish you hadn't let them have quite so much, <laughs> because now they're using all that wealth to bypass challenges and adventures that you've created for them. It's starting to hurt your fun as a GM. Do you A. Roll with this new style of game that they clearly want to play. B. Have an adult conversation outside the game about the type of game you all want to play. Or C. Have their wealth be stolen by thieves or confiscated by the king. <laughs> Or removed through some other in-game mechanism to try and get them back on track. Uh, John, what would you do? Grown-up John wants to answer B, but I would probably do C, just because it would be more fun to handle it in story. Okay. So I would probably have them lose it, you know, have them all wake up uh, without any of their gear in the middle of a slave <laughs> pen, uh, something like that. Uh, we've all done C, so uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> let's just be honest here. Uh, yeah. Chris, uh, Chris, how about you? I've already forgotten the answers, okay. but I think it was C. <laughs> that was the one where you use, use an in-game event to kind of oh, yeah, steal yes, their stuff. Yes, because um, if they have amassed a great wealth, they are now a target. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So they're asking yeah. for it by, you know, just having the wealth is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. Down with the 1%, Chris. <laughs> I'm with you. No. Real bad. No, it's more like, you know, they're destabilizing the economy and, like, we need to, you know, right-size things. And... You know, in, in, in uh, faux medieval worlds, the thieves are looking for the rich people. I mean, yeah. that's how this So natural say. consequences for... for yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's the next situation. The players are fighting the big villain at the end of a long campaign. Partway through the battle... Things aren't going so well due to a combination of bad luck and poor choices. You realize that <laughs> the big villain is now in a position to use an attack or a spell or a strategy that could wipe out the entire party. Do you A. Have the big villain make suboptimal choices during the fight to give the party a chance. After all, this is their big moment. Or B. Play the villain straight and let the dice fall where they may. Uh, a. Okay. And that's uh, have the big villain make suboptimal choices. And Chris, what would you do? 
A. Okay. Going back to the cheating question, I might actually cheat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might encourage the players yeah. to cheat. Yeah. So, yeah. I have one more closing question. The party encounters a tribe of kobolds led by a kobold king. <laughs> In your best kobold voice, you shout out something that a kobold would say. So let's <laughs> let's hear you. Let's hear your kobold voice saying something that a kobold would say. <laughs> I'll praise the great dragon king. May he crush you and destroy your family. That was respectable. Okay. Uh, Chris, you're up. <laughs> that was really good. Um, <laughs> I stole it. From, I stole it from James Jabato, whose book we talked about. He could do a great cobalt, and I and I stole that imitation. Yeah, him, so. um, Michael, he would probably say something like, "Stop, you heroes." Okay. Neither of you guys uh, employed we, the accent I usually use for any sort of NPC, which always sort of sounds like Mario with a Russian accent. Uh, so. <laughs> So yeah. both of you are uh, both of you do pretty well. Okay, well thank you for thank you for playing along with my little. Uh, that was thing awesome. There. Um, I've learned <laughs> I've learned a lot about you guys that you guys are just terrible GMs. Uh, you yes. you answered wrong <laughs> a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, zero out of four. Yeah. For everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, zero out of four. Okay. With that said, I don't want to take too much more time before we jump into our topic. But does anyone have anything like really cool and big going on gaming wise at the moment, or coming up? Uh you know. Just real quick, I um, got a Kickstarter fulfillment for a game from Free League oh, yeah. Publishing, or Frigaligen in Swedish, <laughs> um, and uh, it's called Vasen, which is apparently Swedish for sort of folklore or fairy tale. And what it's about, it's about it. It the way I've described it is it's kind of like the X Files Victorian age. You are you are investigators trying to figure out these sort of mysteries involving trolls and giants and fairies and mermaids mm. and and put them to rest and um i mention it a because it's gorgeous and uh, i'll put a link in the show notes but also because it is the first time that i can recall that i read a rule book i'm almost done with it cover to cover hmm. in a long time even hmm. the dungeon world book like i didn't read all the monster descriptions or all the you know, I skimmed many sections of many rule books. I know I played Genesis and I still haven't read the whole book, but this thing I just couldn't put down. It was <laughs> fantastic. What about it was so engaging? Um, it it really appeals to the way I like to play in that it encourages you to create a sense of mystery and adventure. And the game is built around creating a sense of mystery and atmosphere mm. over. But there are still statistics and things like that for these creatures and for the characters. But, but it is more it more tries to evoke a sense and feeling and i also like it because it says look we're trying to invoke 1800s scandinavia but don't get too hung up in the historical details of it right this is a fantasy game so you know if you want your doctor to be a woman even though that's not something that happened that much in the 1800s who cares or if you want there to be cameras but not trains yet well who cares you know make the world your own here's a framework for you to hang it on and so i just it's just great. I That's love it. Super cool. Did you see there was a movie I just looked it up from 2010 called Troll Hunter? I have heard of it and I have not seen it and I hear that I should. I'm wondering if you'd like it. So it's like it's a modern day troll movie. Yeah, you yeah. you might appreciate it now that you're sort of immersed in that that sort of mythology. Yeah, the the thing that's got my brain spinning on it right now is I just I'm reading the the sort of GM making your own adventures chapter mm -hmm. and they're talking about 
look, if you want to set this on the British Isles or in Ireland or in the Middle East, just take the, the Voss and the creatures we describe here, take mm-hmm. their attributes and and reskin them for where you want to play. And so the idea of playing a British Isles slash Ireland game with, you know, having to solve the mystery of the of the fairy mound or whatever, just I, it's got my brain whirling on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know anything about really the folklore of Scandinavia. Does it have a really distinct, really distinct style or set of creatures or legends from other Northern European folklore? Yeah, a lot you recognize. There's mermaids, sea monsters, fairies, but there's some particular ones that are kind of fun. And some of them are downright evil, right? There's werewolves. But then there's other ones like, uh, I think they're called Nisse, but they're they're sort of these creatures that live on farms and, and they're sort of like brownies or fairies, but they just make sure the farm runs okay. And huh. as long as the family and them get along, it's great. But sometimes they, they come to loggerheads and then they use their magic for to you know kick the family out. And then what do you do? So it's just some interesting creatures that, that are not strictly the ones you know about. So, yeah. All of the other game books by Free League that I've seen have been just gorgeously produced. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I and then I heard they were doing the One Ring. And I actually heard that first before I got this Kickstarter delivered. I'm like, oh, I'll have to check that out. They're taking over the publishing of the One Ring. And now I'm really excited <laughs> where I wasn't before now that I've read this game. You're also going to need to read, and I'm sorry to give you like different references, but uh, Pure Gint by Ibsen. Have you heard of that? at all so there's a musical piece and stuff uh, about it as well but it's all about this um it's like norwegian folklore and stuff and he he i think he visits the troll king at one point which is a really fun oh i love that stuff yeah yeah (laughs) i have a quick question for both of you guys is either of you guys planning to do any gen con online i looked at the schedule i might go to one of the like the talks but that's probably it for me I might do, actually, Free League is saying they're running a Vassen game. There's no way to sign up for it. I can find on the Gen Con site, but they do have a YouTube link in there on their Facebook page. So I might, I might watch that. I'll probably watch that. I toyed for a moment. I just thought about what would it be like if I took like a day off of, a day or two off of work and just like went whole hog (laughs) and, you know, and tried to have a, a real convention experience, you know, with a full booked schedule. But I don't really think I can justify that. So I'm, I, I do hope to get in on one or two games and maybe one or two talks as well. Yeah. Yeah, nothing too dramatic. Well, cool. Maybe by the time the next episode, we record the next episode, we will be able to uh, report back on our Gen Con experiences. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and jump into our topic? Uh, we rolled... shall, I, shall I reread it? Yeah, why don't you reread the topic and get us started? Chris rolled a nine, and the topic is, how do you create memorable NPCs? It's kind of a big topic. Uh, yeah why don't we start with something simple like each of you guys briefly describe a pc that went on to become very memorable for you and your players in a game i'm I'm trying to like sort in my mind the ones that i think are memorable versus the ones the players right sure yeah because i think like i often feel like the ones that you spend the most time like getting the voice down right or their mannerisms and all their, their backstory and stuff those are the ones that no one cares about it's always like the one that you just had to invent on the fly that's like yes that one that's the one that we're going to focus on yeah yes yeah. i can start if you want i uh, right, okay. remember going back to the uh, i think AD&D second edition days i still very distinctly remember it was an adventure it was like a pre-written adventure where the characters had to escort like a religious figure 
to his destination and along the way there's you know the various sorts of shenanigans and ambushes and stuff and there was some short note in the published adventure like that the npc was kind of a cranky old guy so yeah. on the on the spot i decided i would just play up uh his cantankerousness and make make him a really ungrateful like recipient of their of their protection so it ended up uh he was cranky he was critical of their successes and even more critical of their failures and it ended up being really fun and memorable that quick decision of like hey instead of having this guy be a generic priest why don't i just have him be like a, a cranky <laughs> old guy and it, it just it worked so yeah there's my story i still remember that that was probably 20 years ago and i remember uh-huh. very vividly um, some of those exchanges did you ever bring that that npc back in a different campaign i don't i did not nope okay. um, i in retrospect, I clearly should have, uh, but I yeah. wasn't thinking that. I uh, wasn't thinking that quickly. <laughs> There's still time. There's a, yeah, a friend yeah. of mine who's playing D&D with his kid, and he he created a character. He's a little, like, he's a funny dude. He's a, <clears throat> a writer and stuff. So he created a character who was a real estate agent, like, within D&D. <laughs> so, like, a fighter and also a real estate agent. So I introduced her in one of my campaigns just for, for fun. And I really liked that that kind of concept of just drawing from someone else's character from a different campaign. Because usually those characters are a little bit more fleshed out than what you're going to come up with for an NPC. I like those. I am, I don't have one that I created, but I'll tell you an NPC story. Mm-hmm. Is that I was running a, a Genesis campaign. And one of the players had said, well, I, I kind of want to be... I want it to be like a gang of, of kids. Not not bad kids, but kind of like... I don't know, like Oliver Twist or something where, where there's this mean man who sort of makes these kids steal bread for him or whatever. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And so I went around and I had everybody describe one of these kids to me. And they, I'm like, you tell me what... So they all did and they got into it and they thought it was great. And then later, the kids got lost in this forest and were being chased by this monster and they had to save them. And the guy, and one of my friends looks at me and he goes, oh, I thought you were having us describe them just for fun, but you did it so we'd care. <laughs> and, I go, and I go, yes, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and that you didn't see it at the time is great. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, Andy, going back to your cranky old man story. Yeah. So I think one of my favorite NPCs that I ever played was a someone like a town mayor who just like didn't want to do anything, right? <laughs> so the players kept on like asking him to like, like you know, send the authorities to go get this like clearly evil person, and he's just like, no, nah, I'm just not going to do. Kind of sit back and taking naps and stuff during the day. Uh, but that was really fun because it was just like, rather than doing the thing that I think we all do when we're playing NPCs where we're kind of like dishing out information slowly uh-huh. as they're talking, you're just like, nope, you're getting nothing from this person. And they just can't, like, like players are just like, no, like, I have to be able to, to ask you questions. Oh, your jo- look here, NPC, your job. Yes, <laughs> yeah. your job. You're an exposition machine. Let's have it. Yeah, exactly. When you guys plan an adventure, what kind of planning of NPCs do you do? So let's say you have an idea of who the key NPCs are going to be and maybe a couple of uh, key pieces of information about how they might interact with the PCs. Do you go beyond that uh, in advance of the game or do you just come up with stuff on the fly during the game when the PCs interact with them? How much planning do you do for your NPCs? I'll usually do sort of a like a, a rough sketch and it's usually based on locations. So like if they're if I know there's probably going to be locations I'll come up with, you know, the sorts of people who might be in those locations. And then from there, it's just, you know, 
come up with somewhat of a personality and sort of take it um, take it from there. So do you say the do you decide in advance? Oh, there's going to be an innkeeper here, and his personality is going to be this. And do you like write mm-hmm. that down for yourself to remember? Like I I'm, certainly I'm, should I'm write trying it to down. think what what's like the nitty gritty. Like oh, yeah. the real nitty gritty, like how do you prep these people? Yeah, I think the the ones that are effective, right? So like in an ideal world, right, I would write down, you know, where they're at, you know, what their name name is, kind of what sort of what they want. And then also at least a small description about some sort of like vocal tick or, you know, mannerism that I can inject into it whenever the um, the players are, are interacting with them, just so I can have that thing to jump back to pretty easily. And, you know, whether that's... Yeah, like I physically do something different or just use a different voice, something like that, just to have that sort of written down because, you know, if they're jumping around from place to place, you might not have that sort of locked in your brain (laughs) right away. But I have before sessions, I have sat down and looked at the NPC list and just sort of practiced voices a little bit, which seems, seems a little bit more method than. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys both tend to voice to speak in the character of important NPCs? I do. I try to do a variety of voices. I don't have that many good voices. Um, well, we heard your kobold voice, so we know you can do that. <laughs> and they all sound like that. That's <laughs> what the king of the land sounds like a kobold. No, uh, I do try to do different voices. I think it's fun. And I try to play to type. So if it's a pirate, he's, ar, me hearties, I'm a pirate. You know, I do try to do some of that. So, yeah, I definitely voice, and sometimes I just do it regular because I don't have the energy or whatever. I can't come up with a good idea. If I've got a good idea, I go with a voice. If I don't, I don't force it to to just for the fun of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't do accents, but I'll try to do different inflections and stuff because accents are just is very quickly going to end up, like you were saying, like Mario sort of Mario's talking. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just going to devolve into like whatever you know, bad Spanish I learned in high school, right? Yeah. Like that's just sort of, right. <laughs> I'm not good enough at that part, but yeah, like I'll try to like go higher or lower or introduce little, you know, little ticks and stuff here and there. At some point I've kind of slid out of the habit of speaking as much in the voice of NPCs. And I don't like that that has happened. Learning to GM and uh, when I was younger, I always spoke out the NPC parts. But later as, you know, games with busy adults became more of the sort of gaming I was doing. I started feeling a little more pressure to like not be labor routine interactions in the way that I might have back when we were kids. It's in those routine interactions, you know, with the shopkeeper that, you know, you can have a lot of fun moments of characterization um, and little role-playing bits. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as an adult, it's more like, oh man, you know, let's get through this as quickly as we can because we only have two hours tonight and then we can't meet for another month. So then I would start doing things like summarizing what the PC says. And that certainly does save time. And I do think it's necessary sometimes, but it's a lot more boring and it basically prevents NPCs from being memorable at all. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, uh, do you guys experience that at all? Or do you always try to voice key NPCs? I'll find myself like trying to do, you know, like in character conversations, but then I'll summarize at the end of it, sort of like what, the important parts were um, mm. just because I don't want like note taking to be the reason they didn't understand, like understand where they were supposed to go. Like that just doesn't, that's not fun for me. So it's sort of like, Hey, we can have this conversation. And then it's like, okay, now like, this is what you were supposed to get from that point A, B, C like that, yeah. which I don't know, maybe like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like maybe I should just like see what happens like that. But it's just, again, I'm with you. Like, you know, I'm often running games where it's one or two hours at a time. So 
I will do something similar, but I will also like if if the NPC isn't important or I, you know, what I won't do is if players become very interested in somebody, I'll do one of two things. I'll either transport the the information or knowledge that another more important NPC had to this person because they're interested in them, or I'll just make it clear this person isn't doesn't know what <laughs> yeah. you need. Yeah. Right. You know, I'll just sort of seem maybe less interested in engaging with them. I, I don't I like to make sure that that they're not wasting their time mm-hmm. by and I don't like them to wander around. Let's just talk to everybody in the village. You know, I, I don't I think that was a time when that was sort of part of D&D, but I don't think it's it's quite as fun as I used to. Yeah. If you look at some old D&D modules and, and other game modules from the era, a lot of the times you know, a large chunk of the module is just like a layout of a town or a location and a list of characters mm-hmm. with this sort of assumption that people are going to go door to door. At least that's how I always understood it, that yeah. the players were kind of expected to just roam around talking to <laughs> talking to all yeah. these people. I think I sent you, Andy, an email the first time I ran, ran a town in a published adventure in the Lost Minds of Fandalber. Mm-hmm. I did that like... I made them go door to door and meet every single NPC that was on that list. Right. Yeah. And that session was three hours of me doing voices and trying to keep everybody straight. And like, <laughs> and like talk about exhausting. Know, yourself. Yeah. Like me talking yeah. to myself, you know, and different, different NPCs, which is just the worst. Like looking back on it, I mean, it was fine. We had fun, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. Consolidate a couple of those NPCs. Like don't tell them there's another there's a shop and then another shop. No, there's one shop. Like, yeah, there's a shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a shop. Like all those sorts of things. But what are some of the things that take a routine character, like a shopkeeper, where they're buying a new plus one sword? Mm-hmm. What What have you seen make routine background characters like that become beloved NPCs that the characters joke about and they remember fondly and they look forward to visiting after each dungeon run? That's a good question. I think giving them double duty. You know, maybe they're just there to buy a sword, but they actually do have something to do with the story. But the PCs don't realize it at first, mm-hmm. right? So sort of a, you know, you could, one one option in that is just go big, right? Make a big, hilarious character, and that's always fun. But the other is just to give them relevance to the story um, that makes them memorable, that mm-hmm. maybe the characters don't know about when they first start. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I don't think this is necessarily great. You just hinted at this, John. The easiest way to make NPCs memorable is to make them funny. And yes. that is that is fun. That is entertaining. But that does push your game, I think, towards that sort of adventure slapstick that we've talked about a couple of times over the show, where it's just a little too jokey sometimes. And mm-hmm. yes. so I, I will, that's maybe one of my GMing sins is that, when I flail around for like trying to give someone character, I'll make them funny or snarky or you know humorous in some way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you do that too much, and you start it starts to feel a little weak. Yeah, when I'm when I'm making NPCs, I like to a. I think the first thing is, and this is a, a definitely a powered by the apocalypse rule, but I I really took it to heart. Everyone gets a name, right? It's not the shopkeeper. It's mm. you know, it's I, and I'm horrible with names, so I actually keep a list of them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm playing, but everybody gets a name and everybody gets a motivation. Not not tied into necessarily the big political things that are going on in the game or anything, but everybody has a reason they're doing what they're doing, right? That they believe in. And if you do those two things, it gets a lot easier to to develop the other stuff as you go. <laughs> and I always like to have more than one. Like this sounds obvious, but maybe having three NPCs that have names and good motivations and are on different sides of whatever is going on. 
uh, is enough to get you started in a game, and then you can sort of throw together other ones as you as you go forward. Yep. But I will say I never work up stats for NPCs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I used to. I used to, uh, but it, now I now see it as the is a sort of colossal waste of time. Actually, there's a great... In this game, Vasen, we were talking about earlier, I was reading the rules, and they said, look, all these rules I've just given you for these creatures apply to when they're interacting with, with the player characters. If they want... If a, if a fairy wants to enchant an NPC, it just happens. Yeah. yeah. It, that's The NPCs are part of the story to drive the story forward. So stats, roles, all that stuff don't apply <laughs> to non-player characters because they don't serve the story in any way. So. You know, I can't remember the last time I really statted up an NPC that I did not anticipate that somehow I was going to get into like a fight with the PCs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I stat up the whatever as whatever mechanical aspect of the NPC will be necessarily involved when the PCs interact with them. Mm-hmm. So if it's like Call of Cthulhu, I jot down what their most relevant skill is and what percentage it is, and that's that's the only thing I know about the NPC. Um, right. You know, if it's D&D, unless they're going to get in a fight with a blacksmith, I don't give it any, you know, <laughs> stats. <laughs> yeah. I think we're past the point where all our players are just going to attack everybody yeah. who gives them the side eye, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe not, but <laughs> one would yeah. hope. I have dreams of running running a campaign, probably for like you two and some other people, uh, where it is just that, like, like go back to your roots. Like, let's just Good. do it. Do it that way. <laughs> If the king gives us lip, he's a dead man. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I tell you, I uh, sit in on like a middle school game of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> no it, even with very kids, you would say are very mature uh, and cool customers. It's uh, yeah. it's it's madness. But yes. How often do you like? Let's say your players throw a curveball at you. Like they're going to go somewhere that you just were not expecting. That's great. That's super fun. And then all of a sudden, you have to come up with an, an NPC. Will you like ever just pause the game and like take a second to write down some stuff, or do you just go for it and just you know come up with it as they're as they're going? I will often say, "Hey, can I think about that for a second? Or you know, it's not. Does anybody need a bathroom break? Because now's a good time for me <laughs> to take a break uh, and and do need to think about it for a few minutes. I have done that. Sometimes I do it off the cuff. It depends on how crazy the new direction is. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about some, like, if you guys have any kind of concrete tricks or, like, recommendations that have helped you out or that you've read, even if you don't always do them. I'll start by sharing one that I really like and that has worked well in my games when I've taken the time to do it. And that is when thinking about an NPC, try to attach a non-verbal tick to the NPC that you can do at the table while you're speaking as the NPC. So obviously there's like a limit on what you can do here, but like maybe are they always touching their ears? Are they always like looking kind of above and behind? Do they always glancing off into the distance as if they're nervous about something? You know, are they always Mm -hmm. glancing over their shoulder? Those things are a little bit, a little over the top, but they are kind of fun to do, and I do think that they quickly like attach themselves to the NPC, and it becomes a little bit memorable. Have you guys ever tried like nonverbal ticks? Like he won't stop touching his chin while he talks. Yeah, you know, I know I must have, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I do think that's a great idea. I love mm-hmm. that um, as a concept. So that's just one little tip. Do you guys have any like little tricks that you've used or that you've heard? 
Yeah, you know, there's one I like about creating characters, and it's really old, but I think it's great. There is a cartoonist named Will Eisner, and I used to read a lot about comics and how to make them, and I really enjoyed that. And in one of his books called Graphic Storytelling, what he says is there's sort of two ways to create people. Either create them to type, right? So if you want a muscle-bound lunkhead, make a muscle-bound lunkhead and don't with no surprises. Or play to the opposite of type, right? So that if it's a if it's a really nerdy guy who turns out to be a super strong fighter that you didn't expect, but start in those two places and then elaborate from there because they can both a it keeps your character surprising, but it also it you know we're not trying to invent entirely new types of fiction here. We're trying to play towards a genre. So if you've got the Han Solo type and the characters are expecting that in the Star Wars game, just have the guy be sort of a smart-mouthed guy who owns a crappy fast ship, and that's good. Or have that be somebody you didn't expect in that same role. I don't know if that made any sense. but Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, it's good mm-hmm. advice. There is a list of like 20 or so different vocal patterns that you can follow that I, I ran across a couple years ago and I actually printed it out we take it with me to the the table so it just gave you like a really quick like oh this person repeats the last word of every sentence you know like mm. things like that They're just like really easy to do do stuff you know like someone pauses before every sentence says hmm you know those sorts of things where you can just like quickly grab that and, and add it to an npc yeah i found that pretty right. useful just for like adding some flavor to npcs that's great. Actually, yeah. if you can find that, I'd like to. Yeah, see I'm gonna. That. Yeah, see if I can. Um, it was very like. Yeah, you're talking about concrete tips. It's like that was like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys use pictures of NPCs? Um, and if there is a picture available, say there's an illustration in a published adventure that you're running, do you like hold the picture up to the table and say, "This is what she looks like"? Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'll do that sometimes. Yeah. I do that more with monsters than than people. Yeah. You know, if I wanna. If I have a cool illustration for a monster, I will hold that up. Mm-hmm. I'm playing in uh, Matt Wilson's Eternal Lies campaign. Matt, a former guest on the show, um, and he he does a really good job. He finds like old celebrities who look like the characters, or, you know, or current mm-hmm. celebrities who look like the characters that um, he's he's introducing and stuff. And we'll we'll hand out an actual like you know picture of all of them to everybody. But it's it does a it makes it really easy to to visualize a character you're like oh that looks like whatever like tom cruise in a fedora or something like that you know? right yeah it's like you can you can look at it and be like oh okay now i understand who that person sort of is it's a nice shorthand that way mm-hmm. i was going to mention call of cthulhu and other games like that specifically because they have that nice advantage of there's a lot of you know public domain photos out there of of just uh-huh. people and and celebrities that you can grab um, yeah. mm-hmm. for for player characters and npcs alike yeah mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to mention that I find uh, helpful, although it is a little bit more work when prepping NPCs, is to think not just about like what are their personal, what is their personality like, but to think what is their motivation going to be whenever they're interacting with the players. Like what are they, what do they want? Absolutely. Instead of like this person is just a blacksmith and they're maybe they're a shifty blacksmith, you can run with that for sure. But if you add like a motivation to that, like what are they trying to do in an interaction with the NPCs or with the PCs? They're they're trying to sell goods, but without drawing attention to what's in the back room of the shop, you know. And mm-hmm. right. right there gives you a little bit something more to do than just always just react to what the players are doing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that person wants to close his shop early because he wants to go 
see his family or something. Yeah, it you know, could be always... something real simple like that, but yeah. it'll just add like an extra dimension to hmm. the interaction. Now. Yeah, so. I think that's great. Should the NPC or the PCs be the most interesting person in the room? Ah, great question. <laughs> when you started this question, Andy, you know, I thought memorable PCs and my first NPCs, and my first thought was, is making them memorable important or is making them serve <laughs> the story important? And that is a whole different question. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's good to have NPCs that the characters enjoy interacting with. And if it's, you know, if it's uh, sometimes I'll have somebody who's a little nuts and that always, that always plays well, mm -hmm. right? They always kind of enjoy the sort of <laughs> off the rocker kind of NPCs. And if she's nutty in an entertaining way, but also in maybe a slightly frightening way, that makes them very memorable. And certainly they would outshine the PCs there. As long as you're not spending too much time with that NPC. You certainly don't want your NPC... Have either of you done the thing where you have like two or three NPCs having a conversation for like five minutes? Oh, man. Because whenever that happens, I'm always like, this is a horrible idea. I think exactly for what you're saying is mm -hmm. it's not about the NPCs, it's about the players. But I, you know, so I, I hear your question. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. There, is there anything worse than having to role-play a conversation between NPCs. It's no, literally the it's worst. the worst thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here, I'm going to, I will, I will disagree with you. It's fun, but it's terrible. <laughs> like, I really enjoy the challenge of it. I think that's really fun. But like for everybody else is like, this is totally just a, this is for me moment. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, in answer to your question, that's an interesting question. I was, Thinking about like the sorts of stories that inspire role-playing adventures, like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and Narnia and you know Conan Moorcock, and it's pretty common in those stories that they meet like weirdo NPCs <laughs> that are real yes. like scene-stealing NPCs. Or think about think about like the last you know action-adventure movie you saw, like they are mm -hmm. populated by these kind of weird NPCs that the heroes brush into. I guess that works in like books and, and movies where the hero is like kind of supposed to be a, maybe a, a boring everyman. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I would hope that the player characters in a role playing game are not boring everyman in that same sense. So mm -hmm. I guess I don't have anything too concrete to add here, but I, don't, I mm -hmm. wouldn't shy away from having like scene stealing NPCs as long mm -hmm. as, like John said, they're not hogging too much of the spotlight yeah. you know because uh, nobody yeah. wants they that. don't they don't join the party and they're just they're there all the time oh yeah <laughs> and, they, and right. they solve all the problems and yeah, they're the right. best fighters and wizards and rogues all at the same <laughs> time yeah yes. <laughs> that'll be memorable that, that's another junior high thing that your the gm really wanted to be playing so they have their character and they've been maxed it so they're yeah. the best character there and yeah it is you know actually one thing i really dislike despite my story earlier about like having that one really memorable priest at the party with escorting i usually try to avoid having npcs come along with the mm -hmm. party because yeah. mm -hmm. i just don't enjoy keeping up like the like role playing over a long stretch of time an npc uh, or remember yes. like constantly have to remember that i'm responsible for like depicting this npc's reactions to what's going on <laughs> and i'm often a little surprised at how often in like published adventures even you know modern day ones for very popular systems i won't call out any examples i'm often surprised how often <laughs> like you get the adventure wants to drop memorable npcs into the party to be run by yeah. the gm and I guess I understand the temptation, but I, that just seems to me like it's kind of bad news. And it's not that yeah. funny. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
And it's not something as a GM I want to do. That's a lot of work yeah. on top of do all the other things I'm doing. Yeah, because the, the party's either going to have to try to keep them alive or is going to sit back and let them do everything. Like, there's no way you're going to have an equal participant as an NPC because, like, they're, by nature, expendable. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. Right? You know, the PCs are probably treating most of the other NPCs as if they're, they're expendable. So this one is not going to be different, um, you know, in battle. So. <laughs> I had a, a game not too long ago where there were, like, five NPCs who joined the party mm-hmm. temporarily and it actually went okay, but but I think the real struggle was if I said their name, they're like, wait, that's that guy, right? <laughs> they're like, that's the mystic, you know. And and so too many NPCs tagging along. They didn't take the spotlight, but when I needed to say this this happens to so and so, so and so is behaving strangely, they'll go, so so and so is this guy, right? And I'm like, yes, yep, that's him. Um, so you know, I think having too many cooks or too many too many you know bus boys actually in this yeah. case can spoil the can spoil the adventure do you guys ever let your players uh take over the role of an npc this is something yes. that i want to do the next campaign i run is gonna have a lot of that okay yeah. like how so yeah. like to describe how you would like it to go um i think like there was a podcast i think andy you sent it to me it was an actual play podcast they were doing it might have been shadow run or something I, like that. I but think it was Shadowrun if you're talking about what I think you are. Yeah, it might, like maybe the one shot. I'm not sure. Anyway, but they, they would do sort of a round robin NPC. Like they would just sort of like grab an NPC as people were introduced. And so like player characters would just have different character voices for the NPCs and they would just sort of do that. And the GM, like the person who was GMing would step in if there was like key information, I think, here and there. Yeah. yeah. But for the most part, it was just like they were just, yeah. You know, if they had something to say in the NPC's voice, they would just go ahead and do it. Yeah, it was really refreshing. I don't know how I would do it exactly, but it's something I'm really interested in trying. Because I think there's there is sort of like, there's more room to share some of the cognitive load of that creativity at the table than yes. I think a lot of systems will allow for. Yeah, I think so too. It's hard to do it. Your players have to want to do it. Right. So, you know, if somebody has enthusiasm for it, I definitely encourage them to do so, especially if, you know, sometimes you'll get a character who is knocked out or, you know, in in the game I'm playing, the Phoenix game I'm playing, sometimes people die right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, you know, do you want to be this NPC um, for the rest of the game kind of thing? Well, you know what? We're coming up on about 50 or so minutes. It always surprises me how quickly the time goes. Honestly, (laughs) I really enjoy these conversations. Let's just take a second. Does anyone have any kind of final tips just or quick uh, strategies you would give to a game master, maybe a new game master who's struggling to come up with um, with good NPCs. And I guess I can start with uh, some very bland but useful advice. I don't know where I first heard this, but it's a great technique. You know, if you can jot down like three, two or three concrete things about an NPC, you know, any of the things we've talked about in the show, whether it's verbal tics or nonverbal tics or what their motivation or just their general personality outlook on life or even just their job you can get like three things down that that's enough to like roll with um i think uh three just three facts like that uh yeah i i would say don't don't make your npcs um over the top unless there's a reason for them to be and sometimes there is and sometimes that fun that's fun but sometimes that detracts from the story if somebody's really big you know somebody is really it's a huge personality, but it's not appropriate for the story that's being told. It doesn't really help the characters figure out what's going on. Yeah. So there can be a good reason to do that, but think about if you want to do that before you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, don't pick a voice you don't want to talk in for a while. <laughs> for a long time. That's yeah. Because guess what? They'll ask that one a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, guys, uh, this has been a good discussion. And uh, thanks again for playing along with my little uh, the little series of uh, that was awesome. mini questions that was at the fantastic. beginning of the episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks on a normal schedule, mm-hmm. probably with uh, Chris as co-host. And yeah. John is uh, stepping uh, down for the time being. But, John, we definitely hope to um, yeah. to have you back on the show um, as Anytime. soon as you're uh, willing. So, all right. Well, guys, uh, if there's nothing else to discuss here, we can sign off. I have been Andy Rao. I've been John Corey. I've been Chris Salzman. And Chris? Oh, remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. <laughs> <laughs>